Hey guys, welcome back to the We Are One podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnston, and this week we're going to be talking about the church. And uh, we want to bring some light into what the church actually is. We want to open up a conversation. Uh, There's a lot of things that I could share. I'll only share a few of those things. Either way, stick around. Okay, guys, before we get started here, I just want to thank everyone who has given me feedback on the podcast so far. It's been great just opening up conversation with you guys. I feel a little bit more at ease now to um, be a little bit more myself. I've been in the recording studio this week. It's been many, many years since um, recording, so I'm really, really excited and uh, look for some new music from me, Ben Johnson, coming out this summer. So with that, we're going to transition right here into our topic for today, which is the church. Okay, so I'm going to jump kind of right into this. A lot of people have been taught that the church is a building. It is some kind of formal institution. And uh, when we actually see the use of the word church by Jesus. He does not refer to it like this at all. So I'm just going to jump right in here to Matthew 16, and I'm going to start reading at verse 13. All right? So make sure you follow along, take notes or whatever. You can just listen to this again. Um, I'm not like your school teacher or anything. (laughs) Verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Very interesting if you think about this. You've got his disciples following him. They've basically given up everything in their life for him, and they keep getting all this feedback concerning who Jesus is. So interesting conversation that's about to develop here. Verse 14, And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. That just means son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this is where you see Jesus using that word church. But when he uses this word, he uses it in a very interesting context, because the word that he used for church was ecclesia, and that's a Greek word. And that was actually more of a of a uh, non-religious term. Let's put it that way. Uh, what it was is it was the principal assembly of the democracy of ancient Athens. 
So it was the, the popular assembly open to all male citizens, just the way it was back then. As soon as they qualified for citizenship and the assembly was responsible for really important decisions like declaring war, military strategy, and electing the strategi and other officials. So this is very different from a place that you go and you sit in a pew or, you know, you, you, you go and you worship or you gather together on Sundays. This is an entirely different word, in fact, that Jesus used. And we kind of can start to question how it got so far away. Um, I can tell you a little bit from my uh, studies that um, there was a translation of that word and it was translated to a word called Kirk and it was a Germanic kind of translation which implies some kind of formal institution. Um, but the actual word is ecclesia. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, if you really think about God, like Jesus, right? the Son of God, talking about this divine kind of group of people, um, this divine kind of assembly, you know, it really is interesting because he's talking about almost, he's actually opening up an invitation for us to be part of all of these important decisions with him. It's it's crazy. It's like he desires our input. Not that he needs our input, but he wants to do life with us. And I've said this before that Jesus is very interested about doing life with us. He could do everything on his own, but he desires to do life with us. So um, let's kind of keep reading here. And kind of look at the implications of Jesus in the use of these words, all right? Ephesians 1, and 23 says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So it's very clear from a biblical standpoint that we are the church. I don't know if you've ever kind of thought about yourself that way, but you are the church. And I love Ephesians. I'd really encourage you, um, if any of you study, even if you don't study, read the whole book of Ephesians. I like to talk, uh, I like to refer to it as the pinnacle of Paul's work or his writing. And it just contains so much. It is written more than to the church in Ephesus. Many scholars believe that it was written to all the churches that Paul was actually connected to for many reasons, uh, a couple of reasons. One would be there's a lack of reference to people that he knows. Um, and in most other letters, he's talking to, he, he kind of points out or, you know, gives a shout out, if you will, to at least like one person. And that doesn't happen in Ephesians. The second, you know, giveaway is that there's no personal greeting which is always indicative of like one of Paul's letters to a specific place. He was, he was deeply personal. And the third is that it contains new information and new teaching that wasn't covered in other books. So that's a teaching moment right there, okay? 
But Paul talks about this amazing and mysterious plan if you read Ephesians 1 and 2. And uh, so if we pick up here in Ephesians 3, 6, it says this, And this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. Now, this was a super significant paradigm shift um, for the church because you have to understand there are years and years and years of Jewish tradition. And Paul is coming in even more educated and especially respected by the Jewish people because of his um, prestige. He was actually taught by Gamaliel, who was like a, he was just a top-notch rabbi. And uh, so Paul was very learned in Hebrew, and he had all kinds of experience, yet he's coming in and he's saying, listen, there's going to be a sharing in the promises made by God um, and it's and it's both it's going to be for the Jew and the Gentile, which is great news for us because most of us are not Jewish. If if you are, God bless you. That's awesome. Uh, but we get to share in this all together. So this is amazing how God has called us out of our culture, out of our background, out of our past, out of our experience, out of our family, out of our history, out of our earthly roles, regardless of our talents our earthly inheritance, accomplishments, education, social status, you name it. And he's called us into the culture of the kingdom. And we're brand new in him. And we need to learn about the kingdom of God as little children. See, that's why we're called born again. Christians uh, is our, um, you know, um, our like little Christ's. In fact, there's a whole other teaching that I'll go into later on um, in another podcast where it talks about Christians, and the word Christian actually means to be supernaturally revealed. And I'll, I'll, I'll define that a little bit clearer as we continue on. Um, just so you guys know, we are now on Anchor, we are on Spotify, we are on iTunes, we are on Google, we are on Overcast and probably a few other streaming services. So no matter you know what's going on, we can always be connected. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. Many people quote a famous verse in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Um, but there's a significant conversation that's going on in the lead up to that. So I'll just read here as Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us. That's how many, you know, that's good because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. It's about to get real. All right. Verse 15. And he died for all talking of Christ that those who might live, uh, Sorry, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Amazing, amazing implications of this verse that we, in fact, died with Christ. And again, I will get more into that kind of teaching as we continue in the podcast as well. Verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. This is very, very, very important because when we deal with other human beings, the temptation is for us to judge. The temptation is for us to compare. Uh, The temptation is to look at uh, what is or what is not going on that we can perceive and we can see with our natural eyes But that is the wrong way to go about it. That is, in fact, a a very wrong way to look at people. And I mean, I'm guilty of this, and I know that many of us are um, looking at people according to the flesh and only paying attention to what's right in front of us instead of asking God, hey, what do you think about this person or seeing the God potential inside of them? There's a lesson to be learned here for us. All right. And even with Christ, we regarded him according to the flesh. Um, what this is actually talking about is Paul, when he was he was talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth, it, it talks about in uh, Romans, that Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, he died as a human being, all right? But um, Paul, when he was introduced to Christ... The encounter that he had was not with the human form of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but was in fact with the risen, ascended Christ, okay? And that's why Paul is saying that we used to regard Christ according to the flesh, but we regard him thus no longer because he's now risen, amen? So that could be a whole other conversation. Verse 17, this is the verse that everyone loves to quote, therefore... And it's very important when you read the Bible, if there's a therefore, look back and see what it's there for. I know it might sound cliche, but it's very, very important. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. This is the gospel, okay? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you didn't know that you had a ministry, congratulations, you have a ministry. It's called the Ministry of Reconciliation, all right? Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us, We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? So you have been made righteous. You do not have to continue to live your life in a place of performance, trying to uh, please God to somehow gain his approval, you have it. And maybe you've never heard that before. And you need to know it, that without you doing anything to deserve it, when you made that decision in in your heart to say, I need a savior, my life is not going well, I need someone to redeem me, to save me. And the Bible says, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth 
Remember, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you shall be saved. And that word saved is is the Greek word sozo. It means to be saved, to be delivered. It means to 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 be, um, yeah. It means uh, wholeness. It's an amazing, amazing word. So if you if you believe that, then you have been made righteous. Okay. So the question is not really what we've been called into in terms of like a church building or like a meeting or a gathering, but the question is more who have we been called into, right? First Peter two. Verses 9 and 10, I'm going to look here, okay? But you are, some of you should say, I am, and you should speak this over yourself, okay? First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, somebody. Once you were a people, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay. So we have been called to be like Christ. All right. Um, But not like Christ, the way that most Christians believe. And uh, I want to share something powerful See, um, when you go to a furniture store and you purchase a beautiful, solid mahogany table, it is mahogany through and through, the real McCoy, okay? Now, you can go to another store and you can find, for a cheaper price, a table that has a mahogany veneer. And a veneer is like a thin strip of real wood and whatever other composite material underneath. But they're generally a lot cheaper because they're not solid wood. I would contend that most Christians see themselves as just a veneer of Christ. And they don't understand the totality of what Christ has done and what he's accomplished on the cross. And we really, really, really need to understand that, okay? So what is Jesus like if we've been called to be like him and, and, and even more than like him? And we'll get there in a few minutes. Hebrews 1.13 says this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Wow, that's just how powerful, that's how powerful Jesus is. Verse 10, uh, we're going to skip down to verse 10. You, O Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same. And your years will have no end. So awesome. So as I've said before, um, Ephesians 1.13 is going to kind of surmise what I said. In him, 
you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed in him, right, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is so significant, you guys. Um, I'm going to jump here to John chapter 17, and I want to show you something that perhaps you haven't seen before. This is the very prayer of Jesus. And we like to think that the prayer of Jesus was simply found in the Our Father prayer, but the actual prayer of Jesus is found in John chapter 17. And I really want this to sink in. I want you to understand just how powerful this prayer from Jesus is. And he's praying and he's, 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 he's praying for us, really. And, and uh, this is what it says. John 17, 20 says this. I do not ask for these only, so talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Think about that. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. And this is incredible. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. We just read about that in Hebrews, how glorious Jesus is, okay? The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That's us, you guys. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved even and loved them even as you love me think about that jesus wanted you to know that you are not left out that you are included and that you are loved by the father just as much as he is isn't that amazing isn't that fantastic, you guys? It's just spectacular. And uh, it's amazing that Christ has done, he has accomplished this. And I want to dive kind of deeper into this as we continue. I don't want to bring too much information, but I hope that this is already uh, piquing your curiosity I want to thank those that have already reached out to me over social media and have commented and uh, shared a little bit about your thoughts of the podcast. And I would love to hear more from any of you. Feel free to connect with me on Instagram. I am Ben. I am Benjamin Johnson on Instagram and um, or on Facebook. You can also find me. You can also find both of our pages. We are one ministries on Facebook or at We Are One Ministries on Instagram. I'm your host, Ben Johnson, and we're going to continue this conversation on our next episode when we talk about being united with Christ. Okay, take care. We'll talk to you guys soon. 